You will sleep better than you have ever slept. You've never been this relaxed. Are you ready to change your life? I'm Rusty Diamond, certified hypnotist. You don't need to leave your house. You can stay in your bed. You can stay in your favorite chair. You just need a computer or your phone. You can get a hold of me. Stay at home. I'll make your life better. Hypnosisisgrade.com It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boom, Miss Rusty. What is up, everyone? It is Wednesday here on the Public Access Podcast, the podcast, the Pennsylvania podcast, the podcast, podcast, because you heard it here on this radio show. <laughs> yeah, you did. That's what you're going to get. At. Uh, I'm going to get taken down for having a bad rendition of a song. So. Thank you, everyone, for being here on the Rusty Diamond Podcast Network, possibly podcasting network. Not sure what it is, but I'm going to find that out. So thank you, everyone, for being here. I'm going to bring on my special guest right here, right now. And my special guest right here, right now is, oh, golly, jeez. We're here. I you're here and we'll figure this one out let's go i will uh see if i can change anything while we're talking and... that's crazy okay my special guest maybe uh there he is there i is am rex okay. sykes back again um that's interesting that's really interesting um that if you guys get to maybe it might just be an audio we can always just do that. We can just, just have be an audio episode. Who knows? But uh, it's good to see you here. I, I appreciate you being here. It's good to be here. It's good to see you. Yeah, it was uh, three months ago. I have a, for the most part, it's a three-month rule. And I think that's about good. But, you know, some people, I'm like, I got to I gotta get that one back. And, yeah, we talked for a little while afterwards. And. I was like, eh, I should get Rex back. And so yeah, happy, happy to have you here. What's what's new in the Rex world? Happy to be back. Well, I'm about to launch a program on um influence and persuasion and and sales that's very easy. It's uh, with uh, the master sales himself, the one of the progenitors of in fact the self-development movement, Mr. Ben Gay the third. He's the uh last living mentee of Napoleon Hill. He was a mentee of Napoleon Hill's the last couple of years of Napoleon's life. And uh, we've been working together and putting together this program. We're going to be launching that soon. Plus, I got a whole bunch of other stuff coming up. Now, by the time people see this, or if they see this down the road, the, that program will have already been launched. But uh, 
They can always find out more through RexSykes.com. That's the, oh, you guys, there you go. It's already there to see where it is and see where to go. And uh, I'll put it in the link too. So you can probably yeah. just click it. You can. If, ben, and, ben and Rex in info at RexSykes.com. Okay. Yeah. And you can't really, uh, you can't beat that. You can't beat that. You can just click a link and go right to it and you can find out what you need to find out, which is well, and pretty it, amazing. It promises to be positive, powerful, life-changing and transformational for both personal and business. So uh, I'm very excited to be doing this with Ben. It's great. It's great. We've, we've been having a lot of fun and uh, can't wait to make it available to everyone. How'd you two get together? We met a few a few years back and uh, and uh, had a kind of a mutual edification respect party for each other and that was that was awesome, but um, Ben is Ben you, you got to meet Ben I mean Ben has been around the block he he actually is when I say the progenitor of the the personal development movement he was the uh, he became uh, the the president of of uh, Mind Dynamics which was an offshoot of of another company. But almost everybody who's anybody, Napoleon Hill, Earl Nightingale, Zig Ziglar, all of them worked for this company of which he was the president of. And, and there was no EST at the time and no Lifespring and none of these, you know, programs. And and uh, so they did their, you know, weekend retreats and workshops and kind of set the way for everyone else to follow suit back in the 60s. And so... Yeah. So, I mean, you just went to this show and uh, you were on the show or like you just ran into this guy or was it like a. No, we, yeah. I, I remember how we actually met, but we met and we, okay. we, we liked each other. So that was cool. I mean, cause, I cause otherwise. Slid into your DMs or something. Pardon me? Slid into your DMs as the kids say, uh, or, you know, you start to you talk in person or was it, you found each other on the internet. Oh, you originally discovered each other in the internet. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I mean, it's so cool that that's the thing that we can do now. Um, just being able to do that, being able to find people and be like, okay. Hey. I, you know, I'm from Hollywood. I go back and forth, but you know, when I was in Hollywood as a young actor, there was no internet. I mean, there wasn't even internet in the, in the nineties, you know, until later. I right. Mean, starting of it. Um, and in the nineties, I, I was here a lot. We had a, uh, 10 acre, I mean, 100 acre retreat center for about a decade that I did seminars out of. So people would fly in from all around the world to come and train with me and spend time with me, sometimes three days, sometimes six weeks, you know, and then they come back again and again. So, um, but at that time, I ended up being better connected with Hollywood through the internet than I was living in Hollywood. I mean, it really, really made a difference. When I first started to tra to travel to the Midwest in the 80s where I would I would go into Chicago and I'd go a couple times a month and train and then I'd go somewhere else and then you know, I come back to LA people like oh you know where are you we thought you died or something you're just going to disappear you know and and staying in touch with people was very difficult and once the internet you know came about where uh, like maybe social media more than anything else, you know, the, the, the MySpace, the Facebook and stuff like that made it very easy for people to stay in touch. Yeah, it was really weird. That's, I mean, I kind of ended up switching to a school so I could get uh, on, on Facebook and like 2005, only certain uh, colleges had mm -hmm. access to Facebook. And so, um, 
yeah, I went to Portland State so I could get a, a Portland State account email so I could get on to Facebook, but I haven't been able to capitalize like you have. Well, but the sad part is, is that Facebook has, has sorrowfully changed. In the early days of the internet, everything was free and you could find anyone anywhere. I mean, CompuServe and all these people would put out address books and phone books and there were white pages. And I would find people that I'd lost touch with by searching their name and you know, 150 of them would come up in different states and I'd go through the different states to see, you know, and call or email or whatever and, and locate people that I had lost in my life. And I was like, this is so cool. Now you can't do that. Now it's all charged. Now it's all, you know, whatever, you know. And um, but at one time it was all available. And then at one time Facebook was all available. You could reach, you know, lots of people and everything else. Now, if you can reach two people on Facebook, you're lucky. Right. Yeah. Especially, uh, I don't know. I I don't. I wish I knew more how to do any of any more of that. I know how to do a little bit, but there's still a lot of room for improvement with that. And I don't know. I, I wish there's there's something. For another time, because I'm not an expert in it either. Yeah. And so, but I mean, so you're, you got the internet. Uh, were you as an early adopter, what were you trying to get across as an early adopter? Of I'm, I'm not so much an adopter. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I'm a dinosaurian, but, but, you know, when we first moved from the internet, you know, here's the thing. And, and people who don't know this should know this and, and appreciate it. Back in the day from the 60s, 70s and 80s, and I started my programs in the mid 70s, I taught acting and I taught magic, I taught hypnosis, I taught meditation. And, you know, and then from the 80s, late 80s, early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, I started teaching NLP and other things, law of attraction and Napoleon Hill and all this kind of stuff that I've been doing for a while. Um, you used to have to, you, you had an overhead, you had to put on a live seminar you had to have a location, which meant either you did it in your home or in a hotel or somewhere, or even in a park, but you had to do it somewhere and you had to be able to uh, get people there. So you had to uh, photocopy or in the old days, we called it Xeroxing, which is not actually accurate, but you photocopied uh, brochures or posters, you know, and, and ultimately this would become flyers and four color, you know, catalogs and brochures. I mean, there was a significant cost to doing business. And that was the overhead. You had mailing costs, you had production costs, you know, publishing costs, you had rentals, you had, you know, if you had a seminar that was live, you had to have people there, you had to have the stuff, you had to provide for coffee or snacks and all this kind of stuff. So there's a large, uh, it, it, you know, people would come in and they would count heads and go, oh, look how much money they made, but they didn't see the overhead costs that had to be deducted from that or paying your staff or whatever else to determine what the actual profit was. But people would come in and go, oh, this is a great way to make up money. And so they would like try and do the business until they find out what the overhead was. And so there were few of us by comparison in the world. There were very few. Once the internet happened, everybody who had read a book suddenly became a master presenter of everything because the costs were negligible. I mean, when we went online, it, we went from hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in cost to almost nothing. Right. And you had to pay for your internet, which at one time was expensive, and your web development, which at one time was expensive. I mean, there, there were still costs associated with but but I, I didn't have to send out four color brochures unless somebody actually requested one. And they did in those days. They go, good to find you online, but send me a brochure. And we still had to do it. 
but uh, people have read books and now suddenly they're doing seminars and webinars and live events and free events and this and that. And, the other. and you can't tell anymore whether they're good or not be, until you're with them sometimes. And marketing oftentimes trumps the quality of a program. In other words, people get really good at marketing and, and, and selling people, but they don't get good at delivering the goods. Other right. than, and so it's become really a kind of a buyer beware market because you can't tell uh, in advance if the person really is doing what they're doing or walking the talk. You know, in the early NLP days, there were a handful of us by comparison. Let's say there were 25 of us, maybe 50 of us worldwide. And we pretty much knew each other. We knew what each other taught. We knew the caliber of the kind of training that people delivered. We often worked for each other and traveled for each other and co-trained and joint ventured together and went around the world and everything else. And then suddenly the internet happened and all of a sudden there was, everybody was an NLP trainer. And we're like, where did these people all come from? And we don't know. So, we don't know. We don't know. We can't tell anymore because just everybody who ever read a book now says they're a trainer or they're, a tra you know, something. And I know, I personally know people who are friends of mine who say they're NLPers. And then when I, when I ask them about it, it turns out they really aren't. They're just saying they are because it's a popular thing to do. So you can say it. And which is sad. It's sad. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not here to out them, but you know, it is. It is. It is sad. Yeah, I got. Uh, so in pro wrestling, there's a term for it. Is a like a backyard wrestler, like a self-taught kind of. Uh, didn't really go through, you know, actually learning the the craft of of it because there's a craft to NLP. It's not just here. You can just do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know what what the term would be with this, but it's kind of the same sort of thing. Like, who, where, where'd you come from? Like, who, who trained you? Well, yeah, no, it's a, this is an important question, but you know, the kind of thing is, is a tool is just a tool. For example, I can teach a monkey to use a hammer, and the monkey can pound or the monkey can pry up stuff, but the monkey doesn't understand the hammer necessarily, at least at a maybe at a very basic level it knows it can you know damage things or it can you know whatever but it doesn't understand how to be creative with it doesn't know where else to apply it or what else to do or the fact that you could use it as a paperweight or that you could use it as a leverage you know a lever or you could use it as a fulcrum you could use it as a plum you know i mean there's a lot of different uses for a hammer that the monkey will never do because they don't have the higher level thinking skills about it and same thing is true of nlp there are a lot of people who can learn recipes and bake a cake but then there are those people who actually create recipes or when they are making a cake and and they don't have ingredients know which ingredients to put in in order to make it good in spite of the fact that they're missing something so it's 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 my goal has always been with training to make people master chefs not just cook master carpenters and architects who can who can plan and build and then carry it out not just somebody who can use a tool you know, and and a lot of people read an NLP book and they think, you know, I've read NLP now I know it, but you don't know it until you actually are able to use it to transform your own life. And the problem with a lot of people is they want to apply it to other people, but they don't apply it to themselves yet. And so they're still stuck in their own issues and yet they want to teach or train other people. And that to me is sad. Yeah, I mean, that's the one you got to work on first. Well, yeah, and and I mean, you know, I'm I'm a little generous with that too because there are people who, you know, we we're all human. We all uh, are are let's say 
on the one hand, we're perfectly imperfect. And so, you know, you can't judge a book necessarily by its cover. And so you want to be careful about, you know, making a judgment about another person or a trainer or a speaker or an author or whatever, a person based on, on just that. But again, you know, it's like the Bible phrase, you know, by their fruits, you shall know them or by their works, you shall know them. So you can, you, you pretty soon can discover whether a person is of character and integrity and honesty and transparency, you know, and is generous and has your interest in their heart or whether they're just out to try and separate you from your money so that they can get ahead. I mean, it's, it does get pretty patently clear after a while, but maybe not be at first blush because, you know, the marketing can be real attractive. Yeah. Um, so with marketing, like, where do you stick yourself in with marketing? Like where, where are you to be able to make it work with someone well, I'm know. not, first off, I'm not, I mean, while I would love to help all 8 billion people on the planet, I don't need to crush my competition to do that. I'm not interested in, in, in you know, being, taking the lion's share of the market and, and, and being that kind of top dog. And, you know, that can, I mean, that, that has never appealed to me. What I like is the personal connection, the relationships that can be de developed by people in training, whether now if it's online in Zoom, we can connect or whether it's in person. But those relationships, I have students from 40, almost 50 years ago who are still my friends, still my students. And I told them back then, you know, if you have any questions about what we did in the program, I'm happy to answer them for as long as I'm on the planet. I can't answer questions about other programs because you didn't do it. It wouldn't make sense if you asked me a question from something you didn't do because you heard about it. But anything that you need covered or if you need troubleshooting, I'm, I'm here for you. You know, that's just part of the promise that I make to people because, you know, if you're going to do something, you know, one of the things that I hate is if I want something to be complete. If you come to me for chocolate cake, I want to give you a chocolate cake. And I want you to go home and go, that was the best chocolate cake I have ever had. That was so yeah. good. Like, I think I'd like another one. I don't want to go, here's a chocolate cake, but you know what? I have not only a chocolate cake, but I have other cakes that you must have in order to feel complete. And once you're off the earth, all bets are off. Well, what I'm saying is a lot of people make this program, another program and this program contingent on each other. Like, okay, now you got the beginning, but if you really want to go farther, you have to take this next program. I get that. I mean, it's like we're in first grade and then we go to second grade and then we go to third grade. But I don't want to make it so that they have to do the next program, but that because they want to do the next program because they got such incredible value. They experienced such positive life change. They enjoyed the relationship with me and the other people in the program that they would like to return. And so most of them do. But it's not because I'm pitching them the next program. I'm marketing them the next program. I'm telling them, well, you won't understand everything until you do the next step which is what a lot of people do. They're, they're selling and selling and selling and selling. And when I started and I saw these guys on the stage and all they did was pitch the programs, I, there was one guy who'd come out and they say, I have a question. And he'd go, okay, what is it? And they would say, he goes, oh, well, that's on page 117 of my book. The answer for that. So go get my book and you'll know the answer to that. And then they said, well, they said, well that's on tape number 64 of my audio program set. So go get the audio. I mean, everything was a sale to something else, which I get it. You're in business to sell. But the point is, is I want people to want my products because they find value in my products, not because I have to unload my products on people in order to stay alive. 
And because of the way I do business, and I guess because of who I am, you know, um, people do that. I mean, that's that's the good news. I have a I have a complete argument for the current day thought leaders. If you're teaching somebody about something, like let's say you're teaching surgery. You talk about the scalpel, you talk about the patient, you talk about patient care, you talk about the cut, you talk about the procedure, you talk about the recovery, you talk about the healing, you talk about everything that goes into surgery, right? Right. You talk about yourself as the surgeon. And yet what most people do now is they go, you know what, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. They all want this all social proof. They're giving their testimonials. They talk about themselves constantly. I helped this person, I helped that person, this person, that person, this is who I connect. I made this money, I beat billions of dollars. They go on and on and on and on and on, but they never really talk about what you need to know in order to make the change that you wanted to make. But now you're impressed by them. And I always say that the bus driver or the tour guide doesn't talk about the tour guide. They go, look at that. Look at that. Isn't that neat? Oh, look out for that. Don't don't step in that. Oh, isn't that a beautiful? Oh, see that over there. I mean, they're pointing, they're so busy pointing out what the tour is about that they don't right. sit there and go, you know, I was born and I did this and I did that. And by the way, before this job, I had that job and this, you know, because it's not relevant to the process of why the person is with you in the first place. If they want to know your history, they certainly can ask you. But so many Jesus didn't come along and go, hey, look, I'm Jesus, you know. Right. And, and boy, you are lucky to be with me today because for today and today only, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal you. Jesus never even said he healed. He said, what did Jesus say? He said, go, your faith has made you whole. They did the healing. I'm just the conduit. You know, so, I mean, it, it wasn't, he didn't take credit. He didn't go, with two fish and five loaves, I fed all these people. Hey. I right. walked and, on the water. By the way, did you see that last week? I was on the deck. I just got out of the boat. Peter went into the water. I came out. I reached. I saved him. You're so lucky to be with me. It's it's the same person when they do an interview with you and they slap down their car keys on the table and say, "Look, look at what I drive here. Look at this. This is what you can you can do." And like, well, like, yeah, what's up to with anything? Like, you could be in debt for like. 20 years to pay off that thing and like what do you what are you really trying to show me like what's what's that going to prove that could okay. be any any story yeah it could be your neighbor's car keys too you don't know but you know right. I, see this is this is the problem with the current day thought leaders they they have the whole thing backwards and they they do it for two reasons either they don't know and they're misled and misguided themselves and so they're perpetuating myths that are are not most are not useful to to follow or they are purposefully deceiving you. And that is this. The idea from ancient times to modern times has been you become it. And once you become it, how do you become it? Through your thoughts. You think it into reality. What you think about, you bring about. You, what you focus on, you become. You think it into reality so that you become the kind of person for whom doing certain things is natural, for doing the right things is easy, and then because you do the right things from your intuition, from who you are, from your presence, you can have anything and everything that you want. There's nothing wrong with cars and planes and houses and all that kind of stuff and watches and jewelry and vacations and all that. Nothing wrong with it. You can have all of it if you're not attached to it. But what the gurus do is they go, if you want the house and the car and the TV set, you have to work really hard. You have to struggle. You have to sacrifice. You have to do all this stuff. You have to give up everything. 
and really what they're saying is you have to buy my my goods and my services you know you have to give up everything you have to find a mentor you have to work with a mentor you have to do all these things in order to become the kind of person who has these things and then you'll be somebody of significance you'll be successful and you'll be happy and i keep telling people you know i i get to work with lots of millionaires and billionaires and people of of you see the sad part about the united states and and the world at large now is that they measure the worth of a person by their income, by their net worth, by the amount of money and the things that they have, the possessions. And why do they do that? So they distract us from who we are. Right. So that we want these things. Why do we want these things? To keep the economy moving. Because if we spend our money on all these things and they don't fulfill us, guess what we'll do? We'll buy the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing and the next thing trying to be fulfilled. And that's not what I'm about. What what I want is the relationship with people, the leisure time, the, the ability to have a quality life with my family and my friends and to have everybody understand that who they are is far more important than what they have. And there are people all around the world who have absolutely nothing. They're dirt poor. They live in a hut. They have no shoes, but they're happier and healthier mentally and emotionally and physically and spiritually than people who have everything. The people who I know some of them who have everything are stressed and diseased and disordered and screwed up and everything else because they spent all their life sacrificing to have something that didn't fulfill them. And when they got it, they were disappointed and then didn't know what to do next. Some of them sadly turned to drugs, alcohol. Some of them killed themselves. Some of them are just living in despair, yet they have everything. Now, some of these people, but that's not true. Some of them are happy. They're healthy. They're, they're good. They've made their money and they're generous and they're giving it out and they're doing good for the world and they're compassionate and understanding and peaceful. And, uh, and then there are the greedy hoarders who, you know, are truly screwed up. So, you know, anything is possible, but the key is, is who you are determines what you can and will do to have what you want to have. And, and again, you can have anything, but if you're attached to the thing, that's the problem. So if you if 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 the difference between being successful and not successful is your car or your house or your trophy spouse or your television set, then 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 you need some work, frankly. Right. And then that's the time that you have to go within, work inward, and uh that's what you gotta do. And it's it's hard to tell people that. Like, you know, go work on yourself. You can't you can't say it to people. You should be able to, but it's something that I think a lot of people would take the wrong way. Well, and if it's from, yeah, good. Well, I, I quote the Bible a lot because the Western civilization understands the Bible a lot. You know, there's, I mean, there's plenty of great texts all around the world, but you know, there's a, a, a young rich person who came to Jesus and said, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, I'm going to follow you to the ends of the world. And Jesus said, good, go home, sell all your goods and you know, renounce your family and, and come and be with me. And he went, Oh, God, I can't do that. And he didn't follow Jesus. So the message that the authorities say, see, the root of all evil is the love of money, you know, and it's all these things and these possessions and everything, right? So, the, the, you know, the, 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 the authorities at one time said, be in, be in poverty and give all your money to the temple or the church. <laughs> Just give it to us, you know, because it's not good for you to have it. Because you know this guy couldn't do it; he couldn't, he couldn't. Fall. But the, but I don't get that message. I get that he Jesus isn't saying you have to do it. He's saying be willing to do it. I mean, in other words, he's 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 like provoking the person. Going, okay, yeah, you want to follow me? Go ahead, do this. And the guy goes, well, I can't do that. But that's the stopping point. People are always stopped by something. I have for forty plus years asked, what is it that stops most people? 
I used to start most of my workshops and presentation. What is it that stops most people? And the and then people answer all sorts of things, but the answer is a thought. I could never do that. I can't do that. I won't do that. That's impossible. No, not for me. It's a thought. Nothing more than a thought. You would think it would be like, you know, a bulldozer or a group of people tying you down, but it's not. It's just a mental packet of energy that if you think differently, you might do something differently. But they don't. That's why what you think about, you bring about. So if you think you can't, as as Henry Ford said, or you think you can, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Either way, I'm going to teach you how to make this part on this assembly line really well. <laughs> but the key is to find your authentic self, to find your truth to, you know, as, as the Easterns would say, find the face that you were, that you had before you were born. You know, who are you to find your own inner divinity, to find that you're connected to the universe. You know, people think that they are a creation by God or they're part of the universe or somehow, but that they're separate in some ways. And, and they've been taught that too, you know, that there's God and then there's a the creation. Uh, and we understand that because there's the potter and then there's the clay pot, you know, and so the creator makes a clay pot. But the, but the interesting thing is, is that that clay and the potter come from the same place. But, I mean, in theory, we all come from the Big Bang. We're all made of the same stuff. There's nothing that exists now that didn't exist and nothing that will exist that doesn't already exist because matter can't be created or destroyed. It can only be transformed. So the potter and the clay are made from the same stuff. They're one and the same in different forms. And and yet it's the thinking that it's different is different. So people think, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not godly enough i don't deserve it i can't you know and so their thoughts keep them separate from from their inner resources and their infinite possibilities and their inner opportunities and those that are around them because they can't even see the possibilities and opportunities around them if if they don't open their mind to those possibilities well and i also think that getting sympathy is uh, a very strong motivator as well being able to get because if all of a sudden it's like, well, no, you can, you can't be like, oh, well, I can't do this because of something else. It's like, no, it's like you said, a thought. It's because of a thought is the reason why. And you can change that. If, if I say, hey, you want to go to a baseball game tonight or a football game or any kind of event and you go, well, I'd like to, but I can't. You know, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I've got a, a other plan. I, I, I don't feel well. I'm sick. I'm just... If the first thing that comes to you is an excuse, likely you're not going to do it. I'd like to, but I can't. I'd like, I mean, think about that for a second. I, I want to, but I can't. I want to, but I don't have money. I want to, but I don't have time. The last thing in their head is I don't have money. I don't have time. You know, I want to, but I want to, but, you know, it, get, it all gets erased. So if, if, if somebody says, come and do my program and they go, well, I'd like to, but I don't have the money. I'd like to, but I if you, you know, say how are you and they go well i have a cold i mean you know why are you telling me you have a cold what's what's uh, except for what you said maybe they want some sympathy and and i mean okay i'm sorry you have a cold you know you know maybe maybe together we can heal you but um you know i mean it's like so people you know people pretty much on their sleeve say who they are what they are where they are when they are you know everything about them because it comes out either 
intentionally, I have a cold, or inadvertently, shoot. You know, it, it, you know, <laughs> if you know what to look for, you know what to listen for, you can pretty much, people are pretty predictable. They're, they're patterned and right. they're patterned because they have habits, mental habits, emotional habits, speech habits, physical habits, behavioral habits, financial habits. They're all pretty patterned. So if you see them do something two or three times, you can pretty much bet they're going to do it a fourth, fifth or sixth time. Um, so within what what other kind of patterns uh, do you like do you like seeing around or that pique what your I interest? Like are the positive patterns. I like to see people who go, I was stuck in my past and now I celebrate and I find good in things. I seek the good, I find the good, I emphasize the good. There's a song, accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, you know, it's a beautiful world, you know. I mean, all these kinds of things. We should we should pay attention to these things. You know, all of our music isn't just about, you know, who let the dogs out and somebody's ass and uh, my heart is broken because so-and-so left me. Some of them are inspiring and, and wonderful and, and, you know, upbeat and uplifting and edifying. And, and But that's, you know, how you spend your time matters to what you get back. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, think, people kind of get this. They can, they can spend their money on fool's gold. You know, they can go out and buy a fake Rolex because they don't know that they're buying a fake Rolex and they're happy until they find out it's a fake. I got the best deal. What? It's not? Oh, God, I've been ripped off. Right? Suddenly it changes because it wasn't what they expected it to be. Right. Well, is it and because of the fake Rolex or is it because of their expectations? Um, and arguably, it's maybe a little of both. But you can get a Rolex. Plenty of people get Rolexes and and... A week later, 10 days later, whatever, a year later, the Rolex is just as meaningless as the fake Rolex. I got a Rolex, whatever. It didn't, you know. What has happened there? Well, it's because of this up here. So, you know, you can you can find the bad in anything or you can find the good in anything. And what we've been trained to do is and conditioned to do through the educational system, through a religious system, through the political system, is always to find fear, worry, doubt, anxiety, anxiousness, distractions and disillusionment wherever we are and whatever it is you know um you know we talk about the economy all the time like why what does it matter what does it matter if the gpd you know gdp is this or that or the other thing? for most people it doesn't matter they don't care you know if the stock market is doing well or not they don't care i mean that's only for those people who who have the money to care the right. rest of just want to be able to put bread on the table you know, and they don't need to know about it. You don't need to know that, you know, here's the thing that I always argue. In school, if you had a, a hundred questions on a test and you got two right, they go, you got 98 wrong. You are stupid. You will never learn anything. You take this test again and see if you can improve, right? Something to that effect. They don't, oh my God, you got two right. Bravo. Good for you. Let's do it again. See if you get another two right. Wow. You know, we're we're penalized for not knowing, for being wrong. We're told to sit in chairs, to shut up, to be still, to pay attention, and to follow the rules so that we're good children of society and so that we don't make waves, so we don't get out of line. We follow the velvet rope. We do what's expected to us. We work really hard. You know, we pay our taxes. We We don't make waves. We shut up and we die. 
and then don't contact you after that because yeah, yeah don't come calling after you're dead because that's yeah not, but but no but i mean you know it's, it's sad and and yet you know there's a whole lot more to life than that before you know the rise of the states and and nations and everything else land was free yeah i mean people still might have fought over it because humans can have a tendency to to fight over resources or they could share resources you know, yeah. but and some did and some fought over them. I mean, there, there's always been some uh, form of quest for power by some because and, and and it makes perfect sense because the battery has a positive and negative pole, you could say. So good will always have bad. Day will always have night. Hot will always have cold. It requires two wings for a bird to fly. So these opposites are what keeps the energy balanced, you know, and you go with cause and effect for every cause is an equal and or opposite effect. So for every good thing, there could be a bad thing. And for every bad thing, there could be a good thing. It's just the nature of the world. There's a rainy day and a sunny day. There's a cold day, you know, where it snows and another day where it's, you know, the flowers are blooming. That's just part of life. So it's the fact that people sometimes argue. Okay. Yeah. They sometimes, but, but the point is, is all of, all of what we do in society is artificial. None of it is, none of it is based in reality. We all came, you know, from the ground. We'll all go back into the ground. The ground is free. But now we're we're paying to live on it, and we're not paying once to live on it. We're paying every year, <laughs> and more than that. All you know. So I mean, it's just artificial. So the thing that we need to realize is that most of our thinking is yeah. fiction. Is, is what? Is fiction is based on stuff that isn't accurate. We think it's accurate because we've thought it for so long because we've been taught it for so long, because we've accepted it that we don't think otherwise. And what's happening, I think, now in the world, it happens every so often, is that enough stuff gets a little bit violent where it shakes everything up, and then people start to think differently. They go, whoa, maybe we don't have to do it this way anymore. Maybe there's a different way. And some people want to tear it down and break it and, and beat it and you know punch it out. And other people want to go, what could we build? What can we make this really beautiful and wonderful? And how 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 far can we advance ourselves? And those things will always, as Einstein said, great spirits will always do violent contention with mediocre minds. These things will always to some extent be in opposition. And it's a good thing. Because without that discomfort, without that challenge. We, we wouldn't go anywhere. If you, if, if if wasn't the fact that it was too cold in some climates, people had never migrated to warmer climates. They would have never created warm clothing. They, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that it was too hot in some climates, they would have never moved to cooler climates. You know, and developed air conditioning. So, the the hardship in the world, the struggles we have, is actually beneficial for our own advancement. But we can either focus on the problem and perpetuate the problem because what we think we become, what we focus on, we get, or we can seek the good and create that too. So, yeah. Uh, so where, where are people going to be able to find you to be able to find out more and uh, get more of the, the Rex Sykes experience? Well, RexSykes.com, they can come to my website. I've got myself there. I mean, I'm not there like this all the time, but you know, they can find me through programs and webinars. I'm all over the internet. If they do a Google search of me, they'll see I come up all over the place. Um, and and we do live events as well. And and I encourage people if they want, if they like what they hear, what they see, if they want something authentic and they really want to change, then then feel free to 
to give me a test drive, you know, come and come and come and get a taste and and I'm sure you'll want more. But the, but if you don't, that's okay too. Because I'm not for everybody, you know. I mean, it's just I'm not for everybody. If, you know, there are those people who want to, you know, uh, <laughs> they want to do the the uh, beat themselves, flagellate themselves, boot camp kind of stuff. And I prefer, I've done that. I've I've done that. I'm very brutal. <laughs> One of my acting coaches, like ninety couple years old, ninety years old, is a friend of mine. And um, I said to him, I said, you know, I want to I want to join your acting class. And I'd been acting for years. He said, okay, I'll put you in the advanced class. I said, no, 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 no. You put me in the basic class. You put me in the entry level class. He said, no, I said, no, no, I want to start there. And I want you to tear me a new one. You know, I mean, I just really want you to break me down. I want to lose the ego, the whole thing. And boy, did he serve me. <laughs> so we had, we, you know, I was traveling, everything. We lost touch for about 10 years. And, and then, you know, 10 years later, I mean, we're still friends now, but uh, we got together, we had dinner. He said, I'm much nicer now, aren't I? <laughs> there are. <laughs> but all of it was true. All of it was valuable. So some people like the boot camp. They want to, you know, get punched in the face. They want to really do the hardship thing. They want to flagellate and beat themselves up. That's not me. I, I did do programs. I did conduct programs like that in the seventies and early eighties, but I, I found that, you know, the way the brain works is the least effort, least energy. And it really likes fun and play and discovery. It, it really is. There's an easy, wonderful, positive, peaceful, pleasant way to learn and acquire skill. And in, in such a way that it surprises you how much you acquire when you don't force it and when you allow it. And when you dive into it, it's kind of like you learn more about, playing basketball by actually playing basketball than by doing basketball when you're in high school, you know, like any, you know, if you play the game, you get good at it. If you, if you have to play the game, then it's another story. Yeah. That's how, yeah, it was with my hypnosis class. It was a lot like that and it worked very well. Um, so yeah, keep, keep doing that. Uh, and yeah, you're doing it right. So uh, everyone, yeah, check out Rex. And Rex, thanks so much for being on. And we'll get you back in a few months if you like, uh, so I can do my booking well, online. Love being with you. You've been really great. I talk more than you do, so I apologize. Which, yeah. which is perfect. Which, which is what the show needs is uh, well, people talking more than me. And if you do enjoy it, share Rusty's show, not just my show, but all the shows that Rusty does because he's got a good show. He's got a good heart, you know, and he's a good host. So Thank make you. sure to spread the word. You know, and uh, and then come see me and spread the word too. I'll be very grateful. And meanwhile, much love, peace, and blessings. And as I always say, if you consider something a problem, it's a problem. If you consider something a blessing, it's a blessing. So celebrate it all. Celebrate everything. Thank you. All right, that's Rex Sex, you guys. Cool guy. I like him. Um, I'll have him back again in a few months. So thank you everyone for being here on the Rusty Diamond Podcast Network. And check out Rex. I'll put his stuff in the, the show notes so you can just click a link, click a button, and get right to Rex. So that is the show, man. Boom! It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker.
Rusty Diamond Motherfucker.